Yeah, sounds like a survival horror game in yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't trained the kid to game yet. That's the problem. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Welcome to For Laura. This is Roger coming to you on Tuesday, the 9th of August, for our most glorious of episodes. Yes, it is Vinceless. The bastard is actually on holidays this week, so it is just me and Joe Two Manning this episode, while Vince dabbles about in a certain beta that we're not allowed to talk about, quite likely, but that's fine. You know what? While he's downloading freaking terabytes of game data because they keep making him having to <laughs> re-download it, I'll keep playing my fairy <laughs> solitaire. Thank you very much. So, Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Roger? You know what, though? I'm serious. I've been playing Fairy Solitaire. We're not going to spend too much time on this because some people are going to be saying, like, this is not very manly. Granted, if they know me, they'll know that's really not much of a concern. But I picked it up when it was on sale on Steam and it was all like a of a buck and a quarter kind of thing. So I bought it for the wife because she loves those kind of card games and whatnot. And then I bought it for my eldest daughter, same kind of thing. And then I figured oh, I'll buy one for my son just in case he ever wants to play. And then, I, you know, a buck and a quarter. Screw it. I'll buy myself the game. If I don't like it, I wasted a coffee. Not a big deal. So <laughs> I picked it up and the actual, you know, story notwithstanding with the fairies and such and the pretty unicorn pets. <laughs> the actual gameplay is solid and fun. It's not a traditional solitaire game, although it is, again, the card matching thing. But it's just a freaking blast and addictive as hell. I love it. I'm having a blast with it. <laughs> you are a strange individual, and it's okay because you know we all know you love fairies. I will buy you the freaking game, and then I will dare you to play it and not have fun. You'll be coming on the show going, fairies rock. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that rocks, of course, is Bastion. We talked about Bastion um, last week at length when we also interviewed Greg Kesvin, the creative director at uh, Supergiant Games. And we had talked about, of course, a PC version, hoping very much that it would come out as well as a soundtrack. And Joe, what happened? Well, it was about like the next uh, day, three days. <laughs> was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? The next day they announced the PC version, and then a couple days later they announced, well, you know, with the PC version, you're going to go ahead and get the soundtrack the very next day. So, uh, you know what? I, I think we can take credit for that. I think we forced their hand. <laughs> So I'm, I'm okay with that because that's fucking awesome. Well, I talked to Greg and we were going back and forth in emails and I'm hoping to get a copy of the PC version so that I can review it and see what kind of differences there are with the PC version in terms of gameplay as opposed to the 360 version. Because um, I still haven't played through it all and I'm really dying to play it. So it, I, I want to see what the, uh, the PC version is going to be. And then, of course, the CD is currently available on um, Bandcamp. So the link is going to be in the show notes so that you guys can go and pick it up. The, the soundtrack is 
definitely worth getting. The music is insane. I absolutely about, love it. It's about 22 tracks, I think it was. 22 like tracks, and it's over an hour. And you can it actually listen worth. to it. You can stream it and listen to it, make sure you mm-hmm. like it, and then you can pick it up for 10 bucks, or you can get an actual CD, a physical for copy, for 15 that will be shipped to you later because they haven't actually printed them yet, and it'll be signed as well. And, and I want one of those, <laughs> but they're not shipping to freaking Canada. But I may ship it to a certain someone I know and have them ship it to me. I think but, we can make an arrangement. Uh, yeah, as long as you don't freaking ninja it from me. <laughs> I can make no promises. Yeah, it'll be open and you'll rip yourself a copy. But no, seriously, support these guys. The, this is not a big EA kind of company that are making a ton of money. This is a small indie game. So when they put something like this out, support them. And the thing is, is that you're not supporting crap. It is good. It's good enough to the point that in addition to this podcast, you all know that I do the comic book podcast with with Vince, but I also have a music podcast that I do. It's called The Vinyl Experience. It's something that I've done for a while, and it's it's very sporadic, though. It's not, you know, on a regular schedule, and that's because, A, I don't have time for it, and also, I like that I put it out when music really moves me and I want to do an episode, and that's what it was with this. So I contacted Greg again. He put me in contact with the man who is responsible for the music for Bastion. And actually, the next episode of The Vinyl Experience will have the Bastion music on it, as well as an interview with him and possibly some CD giveaways as well. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And I will be listening like I always do because that's one of the ways I found Roger was through the vinyl experience. (laughs) All right. Some other news that we got this week. We actually got a crap load of news. We're going to go through a little bit now and then some more later once we cover some of the bigger, 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 cooler stuff coming up. But one of the, 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 the news items that came out, which really, really interested me a lot, was they announced Borderlands 2. It's going to be coming out, and I don't have all of the details on it because it was um, they announced it before Game Informer came out this month's issue, but most of the details are in the actual magazine. I'm actually going to go and I'm going to buy the magazine so that next week I'll be able to talk about it a little bit more or whenever because I loved Borderlands. Well, I mean, we spent an entire episode talking about it, solely about it, and yes, we had our problems with the boss fights and whatnot, But if they can fix that, if they can have better boss fights, the actual lead up in terms of story, considering it's a it's a shooter game. um, Yes, it's an RPG shooter game, but it's still at heart a shooter game. The story was fantastic. The writing was solid. And I really dug the graphics and the gameplay. It was only the boss fights that ruined so much of the game for us. And I'm really hoping that that's going to be fixed with Borderlands 2. So we did get a little bit of news. I don't know if you read up on that. I did. Okay, go ahead. Well, uh, basically what I got out of it is Borderlands 2 is going to be bigger, better, and more extravagant. Um, It's looking like it's going to be... Consider the sorcerer. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, But Gearbox and 2K Games uh, have been working on large titles for a little while now. Um, And it looks like we're going to get it, what, it's going to be 2013, I think they said it was going to be, roughly. So we're going to be... No, no, no. Hold on a second. No, no, no. no. I thought that was fiscal 2013, which means... Fiscal 2013. It should be 2012 sometime, probably. End of 2012, maybe. I'm looking to talk about... 
we're going to see we're going to see it, you know, relatively close. Um, it's going to actually make a showing at PAX Prime, which I thought was pretty awesome. Um, so people who are getting to PAX Prime, which I have a couple friends going, which I will be poking for information, uh, will actually look, get early looks at uh, Borderlands 2 and what they're looking to do. Yeah. Um, so just to quickly interject, yeah, for the fiscal year that you're looking between April 1st of 2012 to the end of March, March 31st, 2013, um, I would put money on way earlier. I would put money on sometime in 2012 because I would guess they're probably still going to use a lot of the same game engine. They'll probably just tweak oh, it. Yeah, because the game engine worked for what it is they want to do. And now some of the cool stuff was is uh, like you're going to be exploring different elements of the world, too. Like, don't forget, as, as, as much as we got to see in Borderlands 1, um, we didn't see an entire planet's worth of stuff. I mean, this is an entire planet. So we're going to get to see different unexplored regions of the planet Pandora. Um, and I think that's kind of a, a cool little thing as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I The more that they can do that ties into the first one without killing it so that you have to have played the first one kind of thing. But the more that they can put in, even if it's just little cookies here and there kind of thing, I will love will make it a fun game to play through because I've hell I played through the first one a couple of times. So I know a lot of the stuff that's there. So it'll just be a ton of fun to be able to pinpoint well they were saying case in point that the characters that you got to play in one are going to be npcs in two that's awesome that's awesome i just hope that they're going to be major characters and that you do a lot with them now one thing i did notice and i, I was noticing this from the artwork actually it looks like we have an updated version of a fucking badass claptrap there and it also looks like we have a badass version of a flying claptrap well, they did a bunch of Claptrap stuff in the last DLC, so that's not surprising. And I just, I'm not going to disagree. I think that's freaking cool as hell. Yeah, overall, I'm actually a lot more excited about Borderlands 2 than I even was about Borderlands 1, just because the expanded universe, the idea of having uh, the throwback to the first one, but being able to move further into the world, and also having a sequel that doesn't completely dis like distance itself from the original, but also doesn't have to you know, rest on its laurels. I think there's a lot of potential here, which means that I'll be pinging my contact at 2K Games and trying to get advanced information. <laughs> yeah, I'm, again, I'm really, really interested. I'm, I'm interested what they're going to do with the classes as well. At this point now, they've gotten all of the criticism that they needed for the game that they can look at it and say, okay, this is where we screwed up with all of the classes. How do we fix it? Because there were problems, quite obviously, with the classes as well. Not game-breaking problems, but there were certainly some problems. And if they can fix that with the characters, like this freaking dwarf dual-wielding guns. Oh. Yeah, that made me happy, because yeah. if that's actually a dwarf dual-wielding guns, I'm fucking playing yeah. that class. <laughs> it looks freaking awesome. So, yeah, if they can, again, fix those little things so that the classes aren't, you don't have the class that's annoying as hell to play then this is going to be something that's a lot of fun. Now, also in the news this week, we got some more information about Terra. Some good, none, some not so good. There's a lot going on with Terra right now, and 
again, quite frankly, it's not all good. Now, let's talk first about the main news. The main news was that they did announce their timeline. There was a press release that was put out, and that was put out by Chris Hager, who's the North American producer for Terra. And they talked about the timeline in terms of when we can expect the game, which we're looking at a planned spring of 2012 launch date. And then they were also talking about the alpha, which we're looking at sometime later this year, as well as a beta early in 2012. So in my opinion, there's nothing really groundbreakingly surprising about that. So, but it's, it's, it's at least more official that this is what they're planning. Well, I'm not too surprised that we're looking at 2012. I'm not. I really am not. I kind of expected that just because of the nature of how the testing for the game has been going. Um, it's been sporadic at best, like the, even the alpha, the limited, like the founders releases that they've been doing and things like that have been very far and few between. So having it pushed back, not terribly surprised. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what I am looking at is the fact that they are taking stuff away from those alphas, like the limited testing that they have done. And they're trying to improve upon that. And I, I don't know. I still think it has potential. I really, really do. It's right now it's uh, it's a little bit scary because you can look at what's going on in Korea because the game is out in Korea right now and it's not doing well. It's not doing well at all. But part of the problem for that is the way that they're doing it, the pricing structure. At least that's what I'm reading so far. They're actually adopting a pricing, a fixed pricing structure where it's $20 US for unlimited time, which is something that we're used to. Granted, it's a little high, but a lot high, actually, (laughs) to be clear. But it's a pricing structure that we are used to. They're not used to that type of pricing structure in Korea. Most MMOs aren't played at home by people in Korea, I guess I could just say Koreans, (laughs) they're actually played in internet cafes and things like that, where people go, whether it's in groups or solo, and they just rent by the hour and they'll play for a while. Whereas we're used to playing the game at home. So we're uh, we're, we're shut-ins, you know how that goes. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm good with that, (laughs) you know? So, but again, that's the difference. So because of that, a lot of the internet cafes in Korea aren't carrying Terra. That is actually a huge, huge hit to their profits because, again, most people in Korea are playing in internet cafes. Now, whether it's that or whether it's just that the game isn't doing that well, you can't really point to one and say that's definitely the problem. That being said, though, the game is not doing well. And recently as well, the... um, the, the head honcho for Blue Hole Studios actually left the company. That's Young... Okay, let me get this right. Young Hyun Park. Now, he's the founder and lead developer. He left. Now, yeah. what they said was... Now, this is the gentleman who was the lead developer for the L2 team at NCSoft who left to form Blue Hole Studios. Now, what he said is that he left because of stress and was advised by his doctor to leave, stress and depression. Now, he's had some problems still with NCSoft, and there's a lot going on here because the earnings aren't high enough because when you look at the latest revenue and earnings reports for Blue Hole Studios for Terra, it's really not doing well enough for them. So he's under a huge amount of stress and he left. Whether that's true or not, who knows? There's also rumor that the um, it's already been picked up by somebody else who is going to take care of the um, of the uh, the cost for the game. So it's not going to tank. It's still going to kick around. But what that means for us, the North American 
audience is that a that could delay when the game comes out they, they it's all well and good for them to give us a timeline but it could be delayed when you're looking at something this drastic and also it could have a huge impact in whether the game's even going to be sticking around because they've point blank said most yeah. of the work is being done in korea for this and it's just being americanized for us here if the korean version tanks and disappears guess what's going to be happening to the north american version yeah, and that's what and that's what I'm a little worried about. Look, we're that we're that delicate stage, right? And anytime any game changes hands of anybody in sort of a leadership role, or when the game's released in another part of the the world and doesn't do so well, you kind of on that knife's edge, and it can go either way. It's either gonna continue as planned, and you know has the potential to you know completely change itself, do a 180, and, and go and do completely well, or it could fall to the wayside because whoever picks it up decides that they don't want anything to do with it and they need to work on something else entirely. And we've seen that happen a few times um, with some games that had tremendous potential, went through a structure change, um, certain key people leaving <coughs> Champions Online, um, and then everything falling apart around it. And then we look at this and it's like, we're at that same weird spot. Only time will tell uh, whether or not it will come out in America, whether or not it's going to do well. Um, I really hope it does because the game is, from what I've seen of it and uh, from what I've gotten to touch of it, thanks to a certain someone who forwarded me the account information, um, it's a phenomenal experience and would do really well here, but I'm hoping other people see that as well. Well, the thing too is that, like you said, it it really doesn't take a lot to tank a game. That's the thing. It can be as little as one thing, but if that one thing has a larger impact that can snowball from there, you can really destroy a game. So let's just say that it's something as simple as the pricing structure for this game. That is simple for them to change. They it can is. change that so easily. And if they look at how the game is doing and see that, hmm, you know what? Maybe this is the problem. Maybe we should actually change it to what everybody else does here in Korea and see how well the game does then. You know, it's something, again, as simple as that, that will then snowball and have a huge impact on the success of the game in Korea, which will then have a huge impact on the success of the game here. You know what? Do the different pricing structure there and then give us our pricing structure that we like. <laughs> Not Just don't make it $20 bucks, a month. Okay? No, fuck no. Yeah, screw you, buddy. 20 bucks Jesus. a month? I am not playing that game. I gotta be honest. Even at 15, it's going to be iffy. All right? Like, watch your freaking pricing structure and don't be greedy. But if they can fix something that simple, they can wind up having a hit on their hands. It's, you know, but... We can't tell them that. They won't listen to us. No. no. Okay. Moving on with some other news we got this week. We had a couple of games are being delayed. I'm going to let you touch on that. Yeah, it seems to be the, the week of yeah, really. our games are being delayed news. <laughs> um, not only is Terra getting pushed back, but also Twisted Metal will be delayed until 2012. Um, one of the games that last year at E3 um, was touted as a big comeback for Sony as in particular. Um, Twisted Metal relaunch was supposed to be this epic journey that we were supposed to already have in our hands by now. Um, it was originally labeled for some time release in early 2011, was pushed back to October 4th, 2011, and it looks like it's going to be pushed back to some indefinite time in 2012. The developers have cited the reason as it's just not ready yet. I have a question. How fucking long does it take to just make Twisted Metal ready? I mean, you're in a car and you're shooting things. 
I, I mean, I don't understand. It's been we saw demos and gameplay. We saw actual gameplay footage of people playing the game two years ago. What I want and they're being really tight lipped about it. So I'm a little concerned. And honestly, I was getting a little excited about it because I was talking with a bunch of friends that we used to get together and play Twisted Metal all the time. And it was one of those things where we're like, yeah, we're going to totally get it and we'll we'll, we'll play over the Internet. We'll, we'll, you know, kill each other, frag each other. It'll be fun. It'll be just like old times. And now it's getting pushed back. And now my interest is starting to dwindle a little bit. Well, they made such a huge deal about it, too. I mean, it was the last big reveal at that E3. They drove out in yeah, a fucking ice right. cream truck with a dude dressed up as a fucking clown. And it, the, the, it, I mean, it wasn't it even doesn't the get last much bigger E3. It that. was the one before that. It was yeah, two years ago. This is the future of PlayStation 3. This is what they were putting out to revitalize (laughs) the PS3. And yeah, it's still not out. I'm thinking it'll be out when it's ready. You know what? Hey, you're not Blizzard. You don't have the luxury of saying that. You know what? No, I can't even do Nukem forever. I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) sorry. And I was looking forward to it, too. When you looked at the gameplay, it looked like it was going to be solid and fun and just crazy. And I'm all for that in racing games. So I was really looking forward to it. And I got to tell you, honestly, it completely dropped off my radar because it's been so goddamn long. It's like, really? What's next? Nintendo's going to say the Vitality Sensor is probably going to be coming out late in 2013. <laughs> Apparently, everything in that E3 from two years ago is just never going to happen. Be, release will be contingent on Skynet awareness. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next one. Now, the next one is a game that I was actually really looking forward to as well, and it's Dark Souls. Dark Souls is the spiritual successor to the incredibly frustrating but really entertaining Demon Souls, which was touted as one of the hardest games ever for the PlayStation 3 possibly ever existed. Um, it was originally supposed to be moved back or it was supposed to be released on September 15th. It's getting put pushed back an additional week of September 22nd, which seems a little weird, but I'm kind of curious why, uh, it doesn't seem like a big move, but it really is. A lot of people start getting their, my, their hearts and mindset on a specific date when they don't have it in their hands, they start to second guess it. Um, the original game was a game that actually created genuine fear in players. And when I mean genuine fear, it was you had your PlayStation 3 on a fucking backup generator because God forbid your power went out or the game froze or the PlayStation 3 had a meltdown or anything happened at all that made you die or the game just stopped working in the middle of a level. Because congratulations, not only did you have to do the entire level again, but it was just as likely you lost levels um i mean literally i know people that like were afraid to stop playing the game because they were worried what was going to happen if they died and didn't make the next save point the new game was going to be as brutal with a little couple things thrown in um such as increasing the amount of save points but at the same point while they're increasing the save points they did that so that the developers can make the game even harder I want this game. I don't want it pushed back. And I'm a little worried that it's going to get pushed back beyond the September 22nd. So. All right. I haven't played it. So the, the first one. So again, you hear enough about how frustrating something is when you're older, you just say, screw it. I don't need that frustration. I got teenagers. I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> I got teenagers and lackluster co-hosts. I don't need that. Oh, geez. I'm referring to 
Vince, this week. <laughs> okay, moving on to one of the other big news items for the week. Now, we just got through QuakeCon, which was fantastic, especially we were, <laughs> if you were checking the sales on Steam and now you're broke because, <laughs> because yeah, they seriously. offered both Skyrim for pre-order as well as Rage. And they also had their QuakeCon package deal that had a crap load of ID games as well as Bethesda games that you could get. And by the time you factored in the, the savings, in addition to if you if you pre-ordered either and or both uh, Skyrim and Rage, it gave you even more off. I actually picked up that package because I got it for 55 bucks and it had Brink in it as well as, well, I already had Fallout. But it had Fallout, Fallout, uh, sorry, Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas. It had all of the DLC for Fallout New Vegas, which, boom, there's 30 bucks right there. It had the, uh, so I'll be talking about those shortly. It had, um, whatchamacallit, it had uh, Oblivion, it had Morrowind, and like I said, a ton of stuff. And then all the ID stuff as well. So I said, screw it, I bought it. And I pre-ordered Skyrim. I didn't pre-order Rage. I I am interested, but not enough that I'm going to buy it. But Skyrim? Skyrim is definitely a (laughs) must-buy. I'll I'll let you go first, because, yeah. Okay, so at QuakeCon, for the first time, Bethesda was there, and they were demoing Skyrim. So, for anybody who's not familiar with the IP, it is the Elder Scrolls IP. So you had the first two ones. I don't know if the first two ones actually had names. I know the first Elder one. Elder Scrolls? No. Yeah, they they just Elder they Scrolls 1 and Elder Scrolls 2. Just 2, yeah. And then Elder Scrolls 3 was Morrowind, which was insanely good. Yes. You, you just can't say enough good about Morrowind. To this day, literally, when the sale was going on, my daughter had come over to visit with her boyfriend. And when I told her about the sale, because it was on sale by itself as well, she was counting her change in her purse. She was going to buy it. And it just so happened that I had a spare copy from an ATI video card that I'd gotten years ago to review, and it was free. So I said, you know what, here, I didn't know you'd actually still want to play it, and I'd forgotten about it. But yeah, and she will be playing it. Morrowind is that good. And in some respects, Morrowind was actually better than Oblivion. Not in all respects, but in some, I'd actually put it as a better overall game than Oblivion was. I tough call. I think so. I think I think I might actually agree with you on that. And I think it was just because Morrowind was so involved. Like, I mean, the game rewarded you for fucking jumping. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could level jumping yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and, well, little side note, I think Hoogs might be right. I think they did actually have subtitles, but just everybody kind of forgot about them. Uh, it looks like I think the first one was like Elder Scrolls Arena or something like that. And the other right. one was Daggerfall. But <gasps> that's I mean, right. Daggerfall. It, they, it's hard because those games were so good. All of them were so good. And. But I think Morrowind definitely takes the cake so far. I really do. Because, I mean, Oblivion, well, it was good. I still went back, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've played through, a, you know, Morrowind. Yeah. And and that's certainly not taking anything from away from Oblivion, because I played Oblivion both on the 360 as well on, as on the PC. I really enjoyed Oblivion a lot. And I... I would have kept playing even further than I had were not for the fact that my dude got vampirism and it was too much of a pain in the ass to get rid of it. And at that point, I'd already completed the Brotherhood 
quests or uh, uh, guild all of the Dark Brotherhood, and I had completed the Thieves, and I wanted to do the other ones, the Mages one, but I couldn't get any further because I had the Vampirism curse disease whatever and i couldn't get rid of it it would have taken too long so i said screw that shit i'm not i'm not playing anymore <laughs> you know but i would have kept playing because i enjoyed it that much so now when i look at skyrim which is the fifth in the series dude <laughs> i already knew that i was going to be playing this i love bethesda games i love the fallout series as well i really like the fallout series um i still haven't finished all of three but i'm going back to it like and I'm going to be finishing it now as well as New Vegas. But but really, I prefer that fantasy type, type of RPG. And so when I saw this and when we heard about how they were designing the dragons for it and basically just giving them you know, certain things that they, they would do based on criteria going on in the world and then just letting them loose in the world. That's so full of win. It's unbelievable. <laughs> That's just... So I already knew that this was a, a must buy. So when this came out, the 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 um, the demo video, unfortunately, Bethesda and they they said so right away. Please don't record this. We'll put out a video <laughs> later. Are you crazy? <laughs> Buddy, if freaking Steve Jobs can't stop people from <laughs> using his bandwidth at a demonstration, you are not gonna stop people from recording. Okay. Um, that being said, they have obviously spoken to the fine folks at YouTube and told them if a video goes up of this, take it down now. And so somebody actually put the video up on one of those um, download sites. So I downloaded the video, but partway through it was kind of screwed up. And I don't know if the original was like that as well, or if this was just through encoding that it kind of got screwed up. The, the, it was encoding. The original was very smooth. Ah, damn it. Okay. But I still got everything from it. So anyway, so again, this is in Texas. You find out right away, the audience is not the smartest. Okay, they'd obviously been given several drinks, and by several, I mean five or six. They, I don't know if the heat had gotten to them as well. Really, you're talking about, <laughs> no offense to regular old Texans, I'm talking about these guys, okay, because these guys were chanting like wild animals for him just to see the water, just for him to go in the water. And again, you're, you're finding out like all they cared about was him fighting, and they're not really grasping everything the worst part for me though of course was when and they're screaming fight they're screaming they were literally chanting water okay when he passes by a female npc one of the guys in the audience screams rape as something to do okay wow yeah yes. i now, remember that not only is that in and of itself kind of jaw dropping a whole bunch of the audience clapped and cheered and laughed Okay, so this, this is, is where you kind of yeah another discussion. Yeah, but the, the point I'm making is that had I, props to Todd Howard, who, who was the presenter, because I would have stopped the presentation then and there, okay, and just had a few choice words to say. So he had his hands full. Now, going to the actual demonstration and the game, that in and of itself was incredible if this does not make you want to buy the game and play it i honestly don't know what will so again so we got todd howard who did the presentation he actually worked on oblivion as well as fallout 3 what he was demoing on was the xbox 360 version because it's easier obviously with the control when you're presenting and again people were booing because it was a 360 
I, ah. But he explained that the PS, PC version will look even better. And it's just that, again, easier for them to do the presentation. Um, he was talking about whether they should wait for Skyrim, uh, the Elder Scrolls V in this case, wait for the next iteration of consoles or just go with what they have. And because there's still quite a bit of time before we're going to see that next Xbox in the next generation. PS. Yeah, there's still a long time before those are going to be coming out. And like he was saying, too, a lot of their quote unquote laundry list they could do with the current consoles. Why wait? Now, that's one thing that I th- find incredibly important, like that fact right there. Like, sure, you can wait and try to, you know, put your game out on the next generation of system. Or you could work with what you have and do it right and do it in a way that people don't have to wait and still produce an amazing game. I mean, let's face it. The systems haven't been taxed all the way that they could be yet. We're getting there, but it's not quite yet. No. And there's still a lot of room to make some very impressive games for the current console system. It's not like jumping from the PlayStation 2 to the PlayStation 3. It's we're, we're dealing with massive basically living room computers now and they are capable of it so the fact that they're doing that makes me very happy also the fact that they're taking into consideration the fact that the pc version will have more power behind it it's going to look much better than it did and even that said the game looks fucking phenomenal what they're showing off on an xbox exactly i mean it was not exactly a chintzy game it's not like i could count like freaking polygons or anything it looked rock fucking solid now, one of the cool things that really got me about it, um, not just the graphics, but not, not just the gameplay, but the freaking UI. That was a oh. sexy fucking UI. Well, it's not just that it looked good, but that it was functional. The way, the way there, that it's oh, not only functional, but the way it integrates is so seamless that I like half the time I didn't even realize it was there. But I, like I could see it like it, my brain would register it and I would like, oh, shit, you know, he's he's getting hit. I can see the damage. But it was like, well, that, that actually is part of the UI. But they've blended it so seamlessly into the game. Well, if you look at if you go back and play Oblivion after having watched this video, you will be somewhat amazed at the difference in mm-hmm. that UI, because honestly, that's one thing with Oblivion. That UI was terrible. Oh yes, my god, was. that UI was, was fucking awful. Horrid, horrible. I, I just detested it. It wasn't as bad on the PC because you could at least click to where you want it quickly, kind of thing. But playing it on the 360 was murderous. Now, the UI on this is like something that you would want to play around with. It was just so seamless and so so well done and then when they were talking about being able to inspect every item that you get and zoom into it zoom Dude, it around you, look they show, every, they show the guy like freaking looking at a goddamn carrot a yeah, carrot the the roots awesome. on one of the uh the herbs that he had picked long roots like it was everything they, when he showed the salmon and then was saying oh and you can cook it and here's the cooked version and it has better stats it just looked great but more so than that, being able to choose your weapons, your shield, your abilities and whatnot based on which joystick, you know, which side was gorgeous 
and fast. It was great. Plus, you can assign favorites to different spells, yes. so you don't have to tinker down a whole bunch of different menus and whatnot. It's boom right there. So there were a lot of things like that that I, it made me actually think that this would be a game that I would actually consider on a console over the PC. And for an RPG, for me, that's huge. Same here, because, I mean, how many RPGs have been played on a console that were just absolute shite? And then you have the stuff that we've played on the PC that's been absolutely phenomenal, Dragon Age. Um, I mean, you, you look at that and look at the difference and the fact that even I was considering that a console might be good. I know that I will at least buy one console version and hand it to the missus because, you know, she's not touching my PC. Yeah. And I if they are um, working, if they're working really in depth in terms of the coding for each of the consoles and they really tap into what the ps3 can do i think that the ps3 can really put out an insanely good version of this game anyway moving on so we've got yeah an all new graphics engine for this all new gameplay and you see it as well like we were saying with the the detail of everything when you when they were actually showing the character wandering around as well, what he was pointing out was that there's just as much macro as there is micro detail. Yes. So if you look at the plant leaves, you can see everything, but then you can also see the freaking mountains in the background that just looked gorgeous. The map. Oh, my God. When they zoomed out to show the map, it, it was like an actual topographical map that from like fucking Google Earth. That with like clouds and with mist. clouds and mist and clarity like it was absolutely insane. Like the, the amount of detail of just the world's scope is phenomenal. Well, again, look at compared to that map in Oblivion. Which, oh my God. I know, seriously. <laughs> it was terrible. That map was terrible. And then you look at this and it's like absolutely gorgeous. The the animation in between when you pull it up, great. Looking around, fantastic. Zooming in and out. Again, that, that UI they they understand that ui is insanely important let's work on it and improve it so that it's miles ahead of what it used to be and i think they have and i think they're oh, going yeah. to continue to do so in a rather epic manner oh yeah um i mean just and speaking of macro can we can we go ahead and talk about um the awesomeness quite literally the awesomeness that is the skill tree Oh, yeah. See, I was going to get to that. We should have actually brought it up when we were talking before. But yeah, no, that's yeah. Yeah, go ahead, because I loved it. It was okay. awesome. <laughs> now, the skill trees, you as your character progresses and whatever sign they're under, whatever mark they decide, whether it's warrior, mage, whatever, um, your trees, your skills are laid out in such a way that you need to, quote unquote, look to the heavens, um, which means literally a star chart. I mean, your skills are fucking constellations that you can chart the progress through the pathways. It reminded me a lot of uh, Final Fantasy's 10 skill tree, but done so much better. It was phenomenal to see how the skills were laid out. And they were very clear. Like, not only could you just see that well, like one particular skill set, but you could see how it was subdivided and like, you know, going from shield specialization to shield block to shield bash to disarming shield bash. And like 
just how and then that was its own little subsection and then you shifted over and there was a whole other subsection it was phenomenal it was well laid out made logical sense which is very important especially in an rpg game because you want to spend more time in the game than doing the the sort of admin work for your character a lot of the time and this really simplifies the admin work i want to be a fucking meaty tank I'm going to be looking for some of my defensive stuff. Oh, shield. That sounds about where I should go. Oh, look, everything I need is there. That was awesome to me. And I can only imagine that mages are going to get something similar for like different freaking spell schools. I mean, I the potential is just absolutely mind numbing. Well, yeah, they'll definitely get it because everybody gets their own, obviously. What they were saying, too, is that you basically start off with all of the spells or uh, you can you can do anything in the game. And then as you use that ability, you level in it. And then as you level more in uh, a certain amount of things, then your character levels as well. And then when your character levels, you get a perk that you can apply to one of the constellations so that you can improve on whatever spec it is that you want to, to take. And then when you are at the guardian stones as well that they have, which are these fancy freaking stones kind of thing, um, they bless you with certain abilities that you can only have one at a time. And this allows you to basically kind of spec your character. So in the, uh, the example they used, it was a, a warrior stone that they, they activated. And it said, too, those under the, the sign of the warrior will learn all combat skills 30%, 30% faster, faster, which is freaking awesome. And then you can only have one on at a time. So then when you're looking at your constellation of your spells and whatnot, what I really loved about that is that what they did is they took a cool idea and they made it functional. And that's so hard to do because often game developers will come up with an idea that they think is absolutely so damn cool and it's it, and it is justifiably cool, but it doesn't work or it's too chunky or it's just a pain in the ass to navigate through. And at that point, it's it's no longer a cool thing. It's an annoyance. What they did here instead is they took a cool idea, but they simplified it so that you can get through those skills really easy to be able to spec and made it a ton of fun. So picture to make it something that you could understand if you have not seen this video, picture it if you were at, because damn near everybody plays WoW at some point or another. So, you know, the skill trees and whatnot or the talent trees. So now picture those instead if they were constellations in the sky so that when your character looks up while you're messing around in the the ui looks up you're going to see the constellations and those constellations are set up for all of the different specs you can have and different things and, and how you can go down again like you said a warrior example for various shield abilities and whatnot and just by pressing forward with the joystick boom 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 it shows you the different things that you can do and it's very fast and fluid and you don't feel like you're wasting time in there because in all honesty if it was just something that looked cool but it appeared to be chunky i'd say that's it's very neat but it's going to waste our time that's not this this looks exactly. like it's going to be functional fast and just gorgeous to go through see and that was the thing like that's one of the things we talk about about games right and it's that a game could be as immersive and visually and story-wise stunning as you can possibly imagine however if the interface winds up taking you out of that well that's that's a bit of a problem and and this what it does is it allows you um essentially for you know to stay rooted in the game no matter what you're doing with your skills and that to me is a huge selling point 
Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about what some of these skills can do because he was showing <laughs> off how you can set up your different abilities or weapons in each of your hands. Now, this is something that we saw both in Morrowind as well as Oblivion and whatnot, where you can assign different things, but it's done much better here. And by assigning favorites to different skills and whatnot, whether it's a fireball or a frost things, you can favorite them in the UI so that then they're very easy to get through when you want to assign it to your hand. And so you can change them easily too because combat stops when you are changing it. So you don't have to you know, feel like you have to hurry, hurry to get through to find something different if you want. Just boom, find it, assign it, and then continue your fight. But you can have different, you can have different sp skills, spells on each hand that then work together in different ways, which he demonstrated by having uh, detect, what was it, detect life, I think? Detect life, detect life. and a frenzy where he detected life because it was hard to see them. And when he found them, he sent frenzy on one of them. And then the mobs basically just attacked each other. He didn't have to do anything. Yeah, that was awesome. Because that's okay. That's the thing that I've always loved about these games. I'm an old school D&D gamer. I'm used to thinking outside of the box with the skills that I have in order to accomplish my goals. And that was nothing but the essential, the exemplification of that. That was like, that was the what you do. You think outside the box and it's like, hmm, detect life. You, 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 you know what? I could either fight you or I could just make you fight each other and I'll just sit back and do nothing. And that was just phenomenal to me. Yeah. And then the actual, if you prefer you know, a sword and board, he showed that that worked very well. He fought off a couple of wolves, which wasn't a big deal, although the kick underneath the jaw of oh, the, yeah. the, the dog and then the slamming down was great. And likewise, he used a frost spell with a bandit that came up, and which slowed them, them down and also made it so that their stamina went down quickly so they couldn't use big moves and then finished them off with a freaking strike down that was Awesome. <laughs> I love the way that the camera spun around too when he was like using his finishing abilities moves. to finish off the wolves. Yeah. The finishing move, like it was just so well done and it didn't, it wasn't as jarring as I expected it to be, which was just absolutely phenomenal. It's like zoom out, see the skill, see the kill, coup de gras, and then back in. It was phenomenal. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, so, yeah, he did show off then the UI, which we already talked about. And he showed off how you can look through whatever books it is that you're carrying, as well as notes and whatnot. And he showed a fancy black hand with the note saying, we know. Yes. And you heard a few people in the audience cheer. I kind of squealed a little when I saw that. Because basically what that was is they confirmed at QuakeCon that the Dark Brotherhood is going to be in the game. Which is incredible, awesome, fantastic. I played through those quests to the end, and they were among, if not the best, in Oblivion. I preferred those quests over the main storyline. Oh, yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like a very phenomenal little uh, little piece of lore, essentially, to give to those players that are in the know. And I'm just absolutely ecstatic about that. Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. So what else do we have here? We had, um, okay, so we talked about the perks that they went through, the map obviously fantastic blacksmith village was yes. awesome once again we got a, a room full of frothing dogs because he gets to a village and they all want him to burn it down <laughs> but instead he kind of wandered around it the 
you can tell that it's a new graphics engine. That village looked great. And what he was saying too was that if you need to make yourself some money, you can do anything in that village. You can, you can do anything. You want to be a blacksmith for a while? Go ahead and do that job. Yep. You want to work in the lumber yard? You can Go for it. do that. That was awesome. Yeah, I was, uh, I was quite happy with that. Um, it was, I don't know, like it's just, it's nice to see an entire um, just robust world, essentially. So, well, it's, it's not just that for me, it's, it's the choices that you have. Now, some people don't like that. If it's too much of a sandbox, they don't enjoy it because they, they like being on rails within a certain degree just so that they can get through a game and then be done with it. That's not what Elder Scrolls has ever been. I spent more time on all of the other quests in Oblivion than I actually did on the main storyline. Really? Once the main storyline was done, I mean, you can stop the game, but there were so many hours on the Fighters Guild, the Thieves Guild, the, the Dark Brotherhood, the Mages Guild. There were tons and tons of hours just there, not just the main storyline, which actually was fairly fast. So that's what this is going to be as well. So if you want to take the time to do all of those things, you can. If you don't want to, fine, don't. But they're there for you. Now, from there, he actually left the village, popped on a horse, which actually looked looked awesome went through and he went up a mountain because he started talking uh, about the various Norse legends with the um, the shouts and all that, the, the yes. dragon language, which when I'd first heard about it, kind of thought, I don't know how well this is going to work. I mean, of course, I got a lot of faith in the writers at Bethesda, but I don't know. But once they started going over it a little bit more, yeah, not only does it make sense, but it's going to add a new dynamic to your fights where it's not just about your spells and melee or ranged if you got a bow, but now you got these shouts that you can use as well. Also, I love the fact that it ties in with dragons. Let's be honest. When we think of fantasy and any capacity, the question usually asked is, where are the dragons? And the, the, the entire concept that they have of you being a dragonborn was incredibly well thought out, I think. Like, I, I had the same initial reaction. I was like, oh, well, this is kind of chintzy. You know, this is something that, like, you know, you'd expect to see in, like, cheesy games or whatever. But it looks like it's really well executed, at least in the uh, the delivery and through the story. Um, I'm quite impressed with that. I like the idea that the the shouts and the the sort of extra layer of abilities are going to be there. Yeah. It's funny because, well, at this point now, there's no sense... holding it back but the stuff that i've been working on my son with is about someone who who is dragonborn and so when i heard about this i thought okay well obviously there's going to be more of that coming out soon it's going to be something that people are on to but i like how they're doing it as well i like that you are learning the language and as you're killing dragons in the wild, you're learning words from them as well. And then you use those to be able to improve upon your skills and whatnot and get your shouts that you can use. And some of those shouts are freaking awesome. He was being mm-hmm. surrounded when he went into, he headed up the mountain. 
And there's an old Norse ancient freaking relic site for, for worshipping dragons and all that. And sure enough, one comes down after him. He's shooting a bow at it. And you can hear somebody who's close to the guy recording saying, what's that going to do? And I, I agree. A freaking bow? <laughs> That's not oh, going to yeah. do much damage. And sure enough, he he ran in to the cave. Screw that <laughs> shit. He knows he's not going to win it. And while he's in the cave, he's doing all kinds of other stuff. At one point, he got swarmed by a whole bunch of skeletons warriors which if you played an old elder scrolls game you know exactly what that's like and he let out a shout that sent them like dude it wasn't just knocked back <laughs> they, they were propelled mm-hmm. back as if they'd been hit by a freaking hammer and um and it was awesome and then there was another one where there were swinging uh, axes and he had to get past and instead of running through he used a spell a shout and it what was it called again i got it written down but it just basically sent him flying through so fast that he didn't get hit by anything so he showed another one after that slow time he showed a couple through through the whole thing and it actually oh there it is whirlwind sprint it really did make it seem like okay now while you're in a fight it adds an entire level an entire new dimension because you're not just worrying about how much mana you've got left how much energy whatever how much stamina you're not just worrying about okay well what melee weapon am i going to use what spell and all that but you you can use those shouts too and some of them will make or break you in a fight and and it's adding another layer of choice right yeah and it is that layer of strategy and that's what i like because now you have more tools at your disposal and more ways to play the game essentially and like they were already boasting hundreds of hours of gameplay yeah, some of that's going to be when I create a new character and try different things out with these shouts. Well, see, that's where we're going to really see where people are want to be going to want to play alts because I I mean we saw that again with Morrowind as well as with Oblivion, wherein it was fun to create an alt that was either going to be nice or or or, or evil. You know, because, again, you got those morality choices that you can make in those games. So make somebody who, who makes the right choices or or who doesn't just, you know, rip off every vendor that they see, because that's what I did most of the time. Um, and then they could, you know, you'd have one character who joined the Thieves Guild and the Fighters Guild. And then the other one who did some of the other ones or just the mage. And it was fun to have separate characters that, yes, it's a, you know, standalone RPG, but you can still do that whole RP aspect where that character really does have its own personality. And a lot of people played it like that where, no, I wouldn't do that. The character wouldn't do that. I mean, and so they don't do certain things in the game, but then you want another character that would. So with this here, because there's going to be so many choices in terms of how you can play as well. Yeah. I can very much see this being an alt friendly game. Oh, very, very easily. Um, it, I expect it to ruin my life for a few weeks after it comes off. Oh, more than just a few. So what we also saw, we also saw him find a staff in a chest and he was saying you could dual wield staves. Dude, what the hell is it? It's about fucking time. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. And I've been he- dying for a game to actually <laughs> let me do that. Because I mean, how many times have I seen like a Shaw Brothers film and it's like the guy's doing some wicked awesome, you know, like martial arts and going into the combat just grabs two staves and it's like 
want to be like that. Would be fucking Bruce Lee in the goddamn. How can you not carry two sticks around? Exactly. (laughs) That's one thing that always bugged me about World of Warcraft. I have Titan's grip. Oh, I can carry these huge, massive, two-headed axes all by myself, but not a stick. Yeah, yeah. That pine is heavy. Is that that pine is super fucking heavy. I get it. Cedar. Oh, screw that. Yeah. So uh, we found out more again about the dragon language while he was in the cave as well. And uh, there were a couple of fights there that were fun to watch because you got to see some of the dynamics in terms of how the spells and weapons work together in terms of what you want to do. So he explained that there is going to be a, it's not the fighters guild this time, but it's the companions guild. There's going to be the thieves guild and the college of Winterhold, which is obviously going to be the mages guild type of mm-hmm. thing. And of course the brotherhood's still going to be in there. So basically nothing new new there but i'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with it because if it's anything like the other games because again morrowind 2 the guilds were awesome yes, so yes, they any, were. any of the kind of stuff with with those was awesome and it never w- try to steal from the the fighters guild by the way yeah. ever, <laughs> ever and then the um the um the oblivion sorry i'm getting sidetracked <laughs> Empire <laughs> in the audience is saying, "Is this a fire style, firefly style companions guild, dude? That would rock. That would be freaking awesome. I can slay a giant. I can and fix your engines. I can sleep with you. With you. I'll take her. Yeah, you're welcome to my team." <laughs> Here's a shuttle. Uh, <laughs> Stick around. <laughs> and, and so then he got out of this little cave and out into the open. And this was something that we actually saw. Uh, obviously, this is happens often in that one spot because he walked out and there's these freaking huge woolly mammoths and giants walking by. That was awesome. And someone told him to start attacking them, which he did. I loved it. At one point, he says, whose idea was this? And he's getting his ass handed. Dragons started coming down. One dragon came down. And again, the dragons are basically just assigned a, like, mannerisms, essentially, and then let loose. So this dragon, instead of going after the player, went after one of the giants, grabbed him, and then dropped him. And he died. (laughs) I I thought that was awesome. That's a lucky break. But that was just cool because that's what a fucking dragon would do. A dragon would be like, hmm, you're bigger. You're more of a threat right now. I'm going to drop you on a fucking mountain. Why? I'm a fucking dragon. (laughs) Because that's what a dragon would do. I'm sorry. Anybody who's ever read a fantasy novel or played in a D&D game or done anything sort of fantasy related knows dragons are smart. They're going to take out the biggest threat they can first and then go after you. (laughs) And it was just uh, awesome. uh, So awesome. But it was one dragon after another. It was like there was a freaking fire sale. It was (laughs) they were all coming one after the other. And what was cool, though, is he was using the the level up in between to improve his spells like when he used what was it storm call and all of a sudden there's freaking it's raining where he is lightning is hitting the dragons which dude if that was not awesome i don't know what what is freaking dragons are flying and all of a sudden getting hit by lightning when that one dragon hit the ground and skidded Skidded to the stop yes i'm watching with tristan and it was like oh my 
God. And he says, normally they just fall and hit the ground. <laughs> it's just like, no, skids to a halt. And then when he hit it the final time, too, and he jumps on the head. Yes. You got me. Here's my money. You already have it. Okay. No, no buyer's remorse whatsoever. It is very rare for a game to give you sort of those epic moments like that. When we first saw games like that, like with Dragon Age Origins, where you would like leap up onto like something and like Stabbing through the throat. It was one of those awesome epic moments. Uh, but when the dragon died, both dragons died, or at this point, three dragons, whatever we're at now, um, they just kind of like fell over where they were. Um, and that's one of the things, that, you know, if you're used to MMOs, it just kind of happens, right? Um, not here. And that was one of those things that was like, of course, the dragon's in fucking motion. It's going to crash and skid and leave a rut in the ground. That's what's going to happen. It's not a little tiny feather light thing it's a huge behemoth of this fucking sky it will eat your face so of course when it dies when it finally freaking dies of course it's gonna do that and that was such an awesome moment and then that epic kill shot that alone makes fighting a dragon worth it in this game well see the thing to keep in mind too is we didn't touch on this i i did have the note but we didn't touch on it is that a lot of what's going on in that world is dynamic which means that if you're going up in the hills and you notice there's a log on the ground that's covered with snow the graphic designers did not create it like that they created the log and they of course created the snow but they didn't create a log covered with snow the game knows that you're up at this altitude there's going to be snow the snow's going to cover the log dynamically and that's what it looks like likewise with trees and everything else so things are happening dynamically now that's something that happened to a certain degree in oblivion and it's going to be happening a lot more in skyrim so that means that as there are interaction between items in the game assets in the game it's not going to be where it has to be scripted a very specific way because the artist made it look a very specific way no if a dragon is set to hit that building and that building is set to crumble it will crumble whatever way it hits it because it's a dynamic scripting of those assets so here the dragon hitting the ground and leaving that rut that would happen regardless of where it is. And I have a funny feeling that had it fallen somewhere where there were trees, potentially we would have seen broken branches and trees falling over and things like that. So I think that's going to add a level of depth to the experience that I don't know that we've seen something like that yet. I don't think we have. And that was one of those things where I came to that realization. Remember before I said that the game moved from a, you know, kind of wait and see to a must have a couple weeks ago. Um, this is a must have it now. And it's because of that level of immersion into the world that I need this game in my collection. I need to play this game. I need to devote hours to it because it is so well thought out. And I mean, the fact that they've designed it so that the engine is smart enough to know what to do, um, that they don't have to program every little minute detail, that the world is dynamic and ever changing. Just take my money right now. Do you need blood for this? I mean, I'll give yeah. you blood. Well, I mean, we we're seeing it as well in the questing too. the way he was talking, where the questing is going to be different, where it actually keep track, keeps track of where you are, how are you doing the quest and things like that, and can dynamically change the quests for you as well. Yes. That is equally huge. And again, going to make the game different when you are playing an alt character your second playthrough because you're going to play it again it's just that simple oh, yeah. you're especially going to play it twice to get your money's worth if you get the collector's edition which was announced right <laughs> at this time and 
as much as I am a fan of collector's editions, I've kind of had it with this new thing of let's really go all out, include a freaking statue and charge people in an arm and a leg. Yeah, I'm kind of over that now. I can't afford these. I would like it, but I can't afford this one. But it does look cool. And that's exactly it. The dragon is the statue in the collector's edition is of Alduin, the world eater dragon. Uh, it looks fucking amazing. It's and a I give foot them a tall. Lot of it is. It's a foot tall <laughs> statue that you're getting. Now, this is not like the Epic Halo collection where you get like the, the a bust of all the people that worked on the game. No, it's a foot tall fucking dragon. That's awesome. Um, the collector's edition also comes with a rather amazingly well done cloth map of the world. So it's like an actual like scroll map that if you want to be that much of a geek, you can toss into your scroll tube and carry around with you or you can hang it on the wall and it's going to last for a while. It's not going to be, you know, chintzy poster paper like we've gotten with other games in the past. Um, it comes with a making of DVD of the game uh, and a oversized coffee table art book with well over 200 pages of art from the game itself. Um the thing that I don't like about it is the fact that it's a bill and a half. It is $150 to get the collector's edition. And as much as I want that statue, I'll go rob somebody who's got it first because I can't see dropping $150 on the game. I well, want it, but I want a regular edition. I just want to play the goddamn game. Yeah, I it's I would really like this. OK, I would really like this. However, again, I mean, we saw that with with the Old Republic now and with Batman Arkham City with the statue of Batman. And now this one here, I'm really, really hoping that this is not going to become a trend where collector's editions are going to be 50 bucks more. And, and, and that's actually more than that, because normally collectors aren't aren't even a full hundred bucks. But 150 bucks, it's just too much, and they're not going to sell nearly as many of them. I'm, it's I find it actually very, very disappointing. Yeah, yeah. But sticking with Bethesda, though, we got another game that was announced at QuakeCon, and yes. that is Dishonored. Now, I had actually not heard about this. You were the one that put me onto it, and I actually checked out the full G4 article. It's pretty on amazing, it isn't well. it? Well, yeah. I'll let you talk about it for a bit, and then I don't know. Did you read the full article as well? Um, uh, as much of it, not all of it. Oh okay, yeah, I I ripped through it because. It was one of those, once I started reading, it was like, yeah, this is the type of game I could really see myself having a lot of fun with as well. Maybe not as in-depth as, of course, Skyrim, but still Pretty a fucking solid. damn fun game that is still going to be something that gives you a lot of flexibility in how to play it. See, now, here's the thing. I did not know about this game until a couple of days ago. It hasn't really gotten a whole lot of hype, um, and I'm not sure why, because, it, I mean... It just looks really amazing. Uh, Dishonored is a stealth action game from Bethesda with stunning visuals that are very clearly steampunk influenced. Um, it Players take on the role of a supernatural assassin that has been framed for a high profile murder um, of someone that they used to bodyguard. The game opens sometime after the uh, after the events of the assassination and pinning thereof. Um, and it doesn't take long to realize that it's not the Earth we know. It is Earth, mind you. It is our world, but an alternate timeline, it seems. Um, the game has both action and stealth, both amazing visuals. The lighting effects are freaking amazing. Um, and this sounds really stupid, but in a game where you have a lot of mechanics, right? A lot of a lot of old Victorian um, sort of influence, such as a steampunk world the devil's in the details so to speak oh yeah um 
And it's that lighting effect, the smoke effect, the shadow effects that make this seem like an actual living, breathing world. Um, some of the screenshots we've seen, some of the, the stuff we've seen from it so far is literally shaping up to be as if it is somebody went around with an HDR camera, started taking pictures throughout various stages of the day of a city and said, fuck it, this is what we're going to do. Um well, there not are. just that, though. Again, going back to obviously, this is something that Bethesda is really working on. A lot of the game is dynamic. So yes. you're not going to see the same things over and over again. And when you go into a city, people are milling about. People have been given scripts about what it is that they kind of should be doing. And then they just mill about and do their thing. So when you go in, it's not necessarily going to be the same thing each time. That, again, is huge because when you get that pathing, in a game, you can pinpoint it so easily. And you can, yeah, you know, you, you know that character is going to go there, 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 there. If you need to steal something, you can wait or whatever. But especially in a game that relies on that stealth action, if you are going to be trying to kill somebody, but they're following a stealth or sorry, a, a path, then you know, okay, they're, they're going to be right back and they're going to turn around. And at that point I can slit their throat or do whatever. But if it's dynamic, now all you of a sudden you to have to have a certain yep. amount of skill and you got to wing it sometimes and things like that. That's, that's so much fun. Now, another cool thing about this is it, th there are some similarities between the Bioshock titles um, where players do get some supernatural skills. You are a supernatural assassin. Um, but the skills are things like time manipulation, air manipulation. You can possess things such as possession of rats, uh, possession of larger animals, and possession of people. Um, it looks like this game is shaping up to be a contender even against Bioshock Infinite, which is a game we've all talked about wanting to play immensely. This might actually make me want to play this first. What I like about this is that they are being very, very original with certain things. You you find out quite quickly that this is not, you know, Earth. This is a, a, a different kind of of earth um most of the game takes place on what they call the isles which is a small land masses and i mean the currency is whale oil for crying out yeah, loud whale oil there's a lot of things here that you're going to notice immediately okay this is not our world but i like that i like that it's something different and fun and yes we're going to see that with infinite as well quite obviously and we're going to be speaking about uh, bioshock infinite a little bit more next week because there is actually some new news that we just got uh, ken levine just did an interview with a uh, playstation blog and it was super interesting so i want to talk about it next week but Again, I like this type of gameplay as well. We, we saw that with Deus Ex Human Revolution and where you can have that stealth playthrough and they're doing some of the same things in Dishonored where, again, you can dispose of corpses so that they don't alert other people that you're there. So they're taking a lot of little things like that in terms of how to, if it's going to be a stealth game, it can't just be like stealth games from before. It has to be something that engages the person, the player, and rewards them for the time that they spent on it. And it really, really looks like this game is going to be damn fun to play. And that's really the key right there. Damn fun to play. Um, it and just look looks insane. robust enough. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> well, we're both steampunk junkies. So, yeah, I saw the screenshots and say, oh, 
I, I, I have my captain's outfit, goddamn, and I am about as addicted to steampunk as you can get. Um, but yeah, no, this this game had me at hello. Like I saw that, and I like I cannot tell you. Like I squeed. I honestly squeed because I've been dying for a steampunk s game that doesn't suck, and I'm finally getting it. And uh, Bethesda knows how to do those those RPG type games as well. So if we can oh, sink yeah. some time into this as well, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Okay, with that, we're going to take a five-minute break. We're going to come back. We are not done by a long shot, folks. We still have quite a bit more to go. See, we can actually get more in the show without Vince. So we're going to take five, refill our glasses, and we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Joe, and I am from For the Lore. Today we are going to be talking about the dishwasher, Vampire Smile. The Dishwasher Vampire Smile is a 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up video game. It was developed by Ska Studios and released on Xbox Live in early April of 2011. It is the sequel to The Dishwasher Dead Samurai, also by Ska Studios, which was released in 2009. Players assume the roles of The Dishwasher along with his stepsister Yuki in two separate solo campaigns as they battle through legions of enemies and try to unravel the secrets of their past. The main story revolves around the Dishwasher's quest for universal freedom and Yuki's quest for revenge against the three marks of power that robbed her of her life. The game begins with a playable flashback segment of the first game where players lead the Dishwasher through the Grace Chapel building up to the boss fight against Yuki. The Dishwasher emerges victorious from his battle and Yuki dies in his hands. It is revealed that after the events of the first game, the Dishwasher and Chef destroyed the world after it became uninhabitable. The crime was pinned on Yuki, however, who was witnessed escaping the scene, having mysteriously been reanimated. During her time in the Iffenhouse prison ship, she experiences recurring nightmares caused by an entity known as the Creeper, and wakes up to the image of her slaughtering a prison guard with her newfound powers. She breaks out of prison and stows herself away in an escape pod shortly after getting her arm cut off in battle. She crashes onto the moon and wakes up only to find herself having a chainsaw implant where her arm used to be. She then and there decides to pursue a quest for revenge against the three figures of power known as the Banker, the General, and the Judge, all three of which are responsible for her incarceration. During this time, the dishwasher, who has relocated himself to the moon, finds himself searching for the heart of the new cyborg movement, basically the, the place where he is is filled with people that have been cybernetically enhanced and don't exactly always look human or in some cases don't look like a whale anymore. Uh, He starts following Yuki's blood trail of revenge. The game is divided so that you can play through either one without having to play either one first. What comes next will be a bit of a spoiler, so if you have no interest in having the story a little bit ruined for you, I highly suggest you skip ahead just a little bit. But in Yuki's storyline, as we mentioned, she suffers a series of hallucinations where she finds herself a knife and uses it to kill whoever is believed to be be her manipulator, the Creeper. However, she regains consciousness and finds out that she inadvertently has stabbed the dishwasher with it. Yuki becomes distressed but is reassured by him that he's okay with it and it's only fair she repays him for the favor of having killed her once. The dishwasher rips the knife out of his body and dies. The Creeper then actually appears before Yuki and is killed by her in a fit of anger and hate. Chef then arrives to the scene explaining that her, to her that killing the dishwasher shouldn't be possible as the Chef, Dishwasher, and Yuki all share the same inhuman blood that makes them unkillable through normal means. He tells Yuki that the knife she has extracted from her nightmares should be taken back and used to murder her inner demon who is driving her to the brink of insanity. 
Yuki succeeds and proceeds to kill her final mark, the judge, who has become a symbiont for the fallen engineer. In the end, after facing the fact that the world is still in chaos and that her stepbrother is dead, her only care in the world is that she is finally free. In the dishwasher storyline, Chef confronts him, explaining to him that Yuki is being manipulated by the Creeper, who must die if Yuki is to have her freedom. The dishwasher finds Yuki being manipulated by the Creeper, but quickly kills the Creeper so as to not have to resort to killing Yuki once again. Yuki regains consciousness and finds the dishwasher standing over the Creeper's dead body. The two then reconcile, however Yuki remains convinced that her mission for revenge is one that she must carry out alone. The dishwasher leaves her to her mission as she continues to as he continues to search for the source of the cyborgs. He eventually reaches the judge's tower where Yuki prepares to extract her revenge. However, through an accursed mask, the judge manages to act as the symbiote for the fallen engineer, the true antagonist of the plot, and he partakes with the dishwasher and Yuki in battle. The engineer manages to enter the depths of the dishwasher's stagnant nightmare and tries to kill him from the inside. The dishwasher overpowers him, however, and ultimately kills him. The game is done in a very amazing 2D art style where it looks almost as if it was a sketched comic book. Many things are black and white with subtle splashes of color throughout the entire game. Level design is fantastic, the platforming aspects are amazing, and the game boasts RPG elements not just through the story, but also through the upgrades that players can receive. You can itemize different weapon sets, carry different consumables as you progress through the game in order to make it easier for you. Players can also utilize ninja magic, uh, which will help clear certain tough bosses. Boss battles are huge, well thought out, and difficult, but not so difficult to be impossible. The game harkens back to the old 2D adventures of basically the 90s, where these games really got their foothold. The storyline is delivered not just through the gameplay, but also through cutscenes, which are very much like a comic book. Panels will appear with different snippets of information, uh, different dialogues from the individual characters, uh, as well as just graphic scenes of violence and coolness. The game retails for about $10 on Xbox Live. My first exposure to it was actually at PAX East 2011 in Boston. The booth was one that was always well swamped with people and initial sales over the course since April to now definitely appear that this game has made quite a big impact. It's low price, it's high value in entertainment as well as amazing programming, amazing graphics, very tight gameplay and control system all lend it very well to a game well worth picking up. If you can get your hands on it or if you're just looking for a game to hack and slash your way through levels of giant zombie killer whales and who knows what else, then I highly suggest you pick this game up. And we are back. Now, what we're going to touch on is a little bit of rumors first, but before we even get to that, we got some news that DC Universe Online was going to be merging a crap ton of servers, and actually that did go through. They were merging a whole bunch of servers because, quite frankly, as I said before, kind of empty right now and it's hard to find your duo groups as well as your alerts that you want to do or your heroic alerts which are important let alone trying to raid without a guild that's that's impossible 
And partially, that's actually why a few days ago, I actually canceled my DC Universe Online membership. And that's actually saying a lot because I lucked into the initial package that they had wherein you were paying 10 bucks a month. And that is only was only offered then. And if you didn't get into it, too bad, you were screwed. Plus, if you canceled at any point, you couldn't get back into it either. So it took a lot of thought for me to decide whether or not it, I wanted to keep it active just in case but judging by my what had been going on in game as of late how i have not really been enjoying it as much because i'm doing the same thing over and over again now because of my 30s are doing the same things they're doing alerts and duos and i did manage to get into a very good guild they're very friendly but again we're still doing the same thing and i, I still don't raid either the last two updates have been raids including the new fortress of solitude which means i know i'm not going to be doing that so the stuff that they're putting into the game i'm not going to be able to do at this point and i've kind of hit that point where i'm thinking okay well i'm wasting 10 bucks a month so i canceled it um but this server merge should help some people who were having a problem if their their servers were point blank empty kind of like mine well and, and that's an inevitability i mean that's going to happen right um, it, it's sort of normal for MMOs to go through that phase right now. You have the big expansive period where everybody is doing, um, you know, everybody's playing the game, everybody's, you know, buying a game, blah, 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 doing their thing, right? And then people start to drop off after a while. And then when you start releasing content that's only really raid content and not everybody can enjoy it, you start losing some additional, um, you know, additional folks in it just happens from well, time to time. I mean, sure, it happens, but it's even worse for Sony because they never really recovered from the hacking. They really never recovered. No, they from never that. did. I mean, certainly they did to a certain degree for in other regards, but as it pertains to DC Universe Online, I mean, really, it it hit at the worst possible time, and. It's a crucial time for MMOs where, I mean, they're still proving themselves. They still are going to be putting updates through their, their, you know, they want to retain the people that are there, encourage new people to join and all that. Boom, nobody can get in for a well, here, long, bloody time. Well, so here's, here's the deal, right? It's going to be an uphill battle for a lot of years, I think. I don't, I don't think, think it's going to last a lot of years. That's the problem. Mm. At yeah, this point. The, sadly. Yeah, at this point, I really doubt it. So moving away from that, though, to what I decided to put my money back into and what we got a rumor about. I'll let you take this one. Well, I'm sure you've all heard by now <laughs> that Blizzard has copyrighted the title Mists of Pandaria. Um, there's a Only lot of speculation. a matter of time. It was, um, it was going to happen one way or another, but the question is, in what capacity um, traditionally the type of uh, patent that they filed for is reserved for um, video games or electronic games and things like that but also very similar to the last update that they did for the tcg through cryptozoic so we're looking at either potentially the name of the next expansion which could be announced as early as this year's blizzcon uh, or potentially the next set of the uh, WoW TCG where Loader will be making an appearance. <laughs> my money is on this being the name of the next expansion. And my money, once again, is on the, this was going to be their big surprise at BlizzCon this year. Because quite honestly, what else could have been 
their big surprise at BlizzCon other than giving a little bit more news about the next MMO. Or, you know, telling us that I think I still think Titan is going to play a big part of that announcement. Um, you know, they're probably going to do a whole prospectus for the future thing. Um, it's about that time, I think. And I think Morhane's going to be the one that delivers it. Personal opinion there. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But but that's it's, really not big news at this point. That's going to be again, people have been hearing rumors and speculation for quite a while. This is fresh. Well, this it could is also very, very new. And it could also be a red herring, as uh, impure in our audience is uh, so aptly touched on. Blizzard has been doing things like just randomly copywriting shit for years now. And it very well may be just the case where well, they they just copyrighted it to have it and it's not actually anything yet. It, so. Which is highly possible. But you know what? Because of the call for pandas in this freaking game, <laughs> how much people want the Pandaren race in there, I think that... Knowing as well the competition that they're going to be up against very, very freaking soon, they need to pander huh, to those people and they need to really do something like this. And I can really, really see this being the next expansion that will introduce them as a playable race or, you know, something like that. I don't think that it would just take place there as part of it. I think that it would be new races yet again. I but, think I mean, that's that's a hell of an expansion if they if they're going that route, because just this one here introduced two new class or two new races. So to do that yet again, that would be a, a lot of work. I, I agree. And uh, but I mean, only time will tell, really. Yeah. I But again, I can see it happening. And personally, I actually would like to see it. I know that some people think that it's just silly and whatnot, but I mean, if you're playing a freaking Tauren, you're a cow. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> What's the difference between being that or a panda? I would, it, you know, I, if I can make, the, the, if I could play a panda shaman, I might actually outdo my dwarf shaman. I'm not entirely certain yet. Oh, I know it would. I know it would. <laughs> you quite, know me so well. <laughs> uh, quite frankly, a panda anything would just prove to be awesome. Any way you look at it, anything would be awesome. I, I would play any class as a panda, just for the comic value. <laughs> so I actually did resub, and because I've been wanting to do the Firelands stuff, and I actually, this was only a couple of days ago, and again, I, I figure, well, even if I only do it for a month at a time, if I get tired of it, I can just stop. Uh, one of the big things with me was I, I like the fact that the currently you can do the real ID invites for uh, looking for dungeons with friends that are on other realms. Because one of the biggest problems that I had was the stupid pugs. It was really driving me nuts. So the concept that I can actually play with yourself or with, you know, Jason or some other people that we know on Twitter and whatnot, that actually really appeals to me. But more so than that, I really wanted to do the Fireland stuff. And I know that a lot of people have had a problem with it, but I still wanted to do it. And like I did the stuff with, uh, with Thrall initially, which... <laughs> 
which was hilarious <laughs> as is obvious from the conversations that I was having with you. <laughs> I still maintain that he does actually have water wings. I agree with you on that one. It's, yeah. When he's in that whirlpool, dude, that's like all he's missing is a rubber ducky in one hand and a boat in the other and little Bert and Ernie water wings. Cause that's what, he almost looked like he was smiling in there. <laughs> you know? I was yeah. like, I don't want to stop him. Look at, he's having so much fun. Um, I thought that was very cool, justifiably very cool. You were talking about it before. It's a it's a nice little nor lore piece kind of thing. Um, I still thought it was actually quite short. It was not nearly as long as I thought it would be. I mean, that's not the whole of the Firelands update, but just that little series of quests was pretty short. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Thrall is being ripped apart for Christ's sakes. Across multiple freaking elemental planes and everything. I think that it could have taken a little bit longer, been a little bit more difficult to piece them back together. Because, quite frankly, if you can pull it off in an hour or so, I mean, you really, okay, Thrall, don't don't complain too much. You aren't hurting too bad there. I got you back together in 45 minutes. Shut up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I kind of wish they had done a little bit more. Now, that being said, though, on the flip side, all of the freaking druid stuff in there is made of win. Okay? I've been doing all of the druid quests and whatnot. And, again, I've been druid since literally retail day one. Okay? You bar none. I, I love me my shaman. I love him. And I, I enjoy playing him. I love playing the hunter, too. But I'm a druid at heart. Always will be. And the freaking druid stuff in this has been like i've been salivating having so much fun with all of the lore that's going on and the freaking torrin being with the fire and he gets charbroiled (laughs) (laughs) who wants barbecued steak (laughs) and uh but no it's been awesome i just adore it and i want to be a freaking druid of the flame i want to be a phoenix when i go in flight form Epic flight form, Phoenix, Morgan, make it happen. I wish I yeah. want it. I, but you're right. I mean, there's so much lore and story packed into this update. Um, and like I told you, not just through the raids, but through the questing and uh, stuff like that. Um, there is a lot there. And I just hope that that trend continues uh, with 4.3 when that comes out. Well, what I'm liking is that, and I don't know if this is, coincidence if this is where the stories were heading anyway or if this is something that they're actually going to be working on but i mean we had that period where it was all about the shamans and justifiably it was awesome i loved that stuff because again i love playing my shaman so when i was all the stuff with the shaman stuff i just had a blast and i adored it and now all of this stuff is the druid stuff and it's like i freaking love this <laughs> so if they can continue that with the various classes where they focus on them like i would love to see this kind of update for warlock stuff like really oh, absolutely. demented demon shit and just make it as freaky as possible and i'm there that would be awesome so i mean again if they can make it that kind of thing without it necessarily looking like oh okay so it's the hunter's necks and things like that but no just kind of work it into the lower because it's so well worked into the lower that you really don't you don't see that there was that shift from shaman to druid kind of thing. It's just, no, it's one consistent story that's going along. And to me, that's a testament to very, very strong writing. It is. And it really is. No, I mean, no, it, it is. It is a testament to strong writing. Um, and it's nice to see 
more of a, an emphasis on that, which is something that's been moved away from over the last few years. And uh, I'm, I'm OK with that. Yeah. I really am. Yeah, it's been awesome. As I'm doing more of it, too, I, I, and, and as the stories progress and whatnot, too, it'd be nice to, to go over it a little bit more. Because, again, it's for anybody who is very much into Druids, yeah, this is the patch to come back and play, just even if it's just for those few quests. Okay, moving away from there now, we got, yet again, more Star Wars The Old Republic. <laughs> We're not going to take forever on this, but it's... It's so worth talking about because we got news on both the Jedi Consular as well as some late breaking news on the Smuggler class. The stuff with the Consular was a video that was released and it's just made a freaking win because yet again, here's a class that you may have thought, oh, maybe a little boring to play. No. No, no, actually, they are going to freaking rock you, whether you're playing them as a healer or whether you're going in more offensively. It was great. Here's the thing. The Jedi Council was one of those classes where people thought it was going to be, eh, you're going to kind of be more like a support role. And the reason for that is like the RPGs and stuff like that. Um And yeah, uh, <laughs> the best way that I can phrase it is, yeah, he's not exactly a little fucking wimp now. The counselor is a goddamn badass. Not only can they bring people back from the fucking dead, oh. save them, save them from the brink of destruction, act as a meat shield for a person having to take sniper shots. It is just a phenomenal goddamn class. Um, it just looks like it is very robust. It is very intricate, and it looks to be a lot deeper than any of us had considered. It is not a slouch, folks. They're not just fucking healers. They're healers with a goddamn attitude. And that's the big one. Because how often, and you and I are notorious for this, how oh, yeah. often are we looking at healers in games and thinking, God damn, give us something new. Give us something that's more unique. I mm -hmm. want to be able to heal, but I want it to be something different. And I don't want to just waste my time all the time doing nothing but mashing buttons. He ain't mashing no buttons. He freaking raising up crap from the ground sending guys flying using all the freaking mind jedi tricks with the pressing down of the temples <laughs> and then meanwhile oh you died here poof welcome back to life buddy get shooting again <laughs> like it's really a class that as a person who really loves healing i looked at this and thought I, I really actually and see it's pissing me off because I'm going to have too many alts. <laughs> yeah, because, it's OK, though, because I'll be right there with you. Oh, Because, again, for the, the, the light side, my choices were I would just play a smuggler, which we're going to get to in a minute. And that would uh -huh. be my class to play. But then I look at this and I think, how can I not want to play this? I mean, he's raising artifacts from the ground and sending them shooting at people, meanwhile, healing others. Now, it, it's just it looks like a phenomenal class and it looks like finally something a healer with teeth, which is what I love. I'm content. I'm also more content with the freaking <laughs> smuggler. Why? Because I wanted to play a smuggler um, and I could be a healer smuggler. I could be a fucking smuggler medic. And I, we heard about that. But now hearing it confirmed. Oh, 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 yes. 
Um, the smuggler could be everything from a medic to a marksman who's entrenched in cover and taking headshots to an explosive specialist leaving fucking craters with goddamn C4. He can be a stealthy mid-range scrapper getting in the middle of combat without anybody knowing, popping up behind somebody and clarking them in the back of the head. Um, he could be just a person that Anything. runs into initiated. The smuggler is what, probably one of the most diverse classes we've heard about. You can do anything with this thing. You could freaking evasion tank for Christ's sake. That in and of itself makes me incredibly happy. And I will have at least one smuggler out. <laughs> well, what they were saying too is that it's not a class for everybody because you will have to play more tactically. And I want a freaking class that I can play tactically. I'm tired of the class that requires absolutely no thought that you just go in and press whatever buttons you want. I So the concept of having to play tactically for me is actually, you know, a good thing. And that's something that they talked about here because it was something that this was uh, mainly on the, uh, the Star Wars forums. And it was a combat, the lead combat designer, George, George? George Zoller, 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 whatever. He went in and he was giving information. And what he was saying is that, like, in terms of PvP, a lot of people just want to basically be that Jedi that dashes in headfirst, doesn't consider anything, and just goes right for the target. Whereas if you're playing as a smuggler, you really got to think. And you have to take your time and be patient. And some of the PvP settings will require you to be, you know, stay where you are and guard. Whereas a lot of other people like to be the scout and go out and do things. You guard and be patient. And I don't have a problem with that. When we're when I play BGs in, in WoW, I don't have a problem being the one that guards the flag and things like that. I don't need to be the, the dual-wielding tank that just goes looking for trouble in the middle. I'm all right with playing the game that helps everybody and playing tactically. So something like this really really appeals to me especially since again like you just listed off a bunch of things and you didn't even hit on everything because i stopped you there's like every manner of stealthy kind of play that you can do as well it just goes on and on and what i would really like to see are some videos of him being a medic because i'd like to see what that entails again we hadn't seen that with the consular so now that we have it's like oh that's what it's gonna look like yeah that's cool i'm good with it so i'd like to see what it is with this one as well I'm just looking for that epic experience. So I think we're going to get it. And that's what makes me happy. It's not just going to be a shoehorned class. Um, So... Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. Definitely check out the links that I'm going to have in the show notes. You're going to want to look at this, especially watch the video of the consular. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. We did have a video, but it's something that I'm just going to play for the folks in the live audience. And it is linked, or it's not actually linked, it's embedded in the show notes. You want to check it out. Just because, once again, you know what? Team Fortress just isn't going away. Team Fortress 2 is going to stick around forever. Why? Because it's freaking awesome. It's still a blast to play. And now that it's free to play, even more people are playing it. And it just has not gotten worse in any way, shape, or form. And they offer all kinds of bonuses. If you pre-order games on Steam now, you get different perks and whatnot that you can apply to your characters in-game. I just got a freaking Wicked Skyrim helmet that I've got on my my big freaking um, <laughs> my big tank dude so it's awesome but anyways there was an actual live 
action video that was put out by a bunch of guys that is so made to win I cannot even begin to describe it so make sure that you go to the site for the lord.com you're gonna want to look for episode number 74 watch this video it's just so freaking cool and again with that we're gonna call it a wrap for tonight because it has been an extended show we've had a lot of fun though if you've got of course any questions or comments make sure to send them to for the lore at gmail.com on twitter at for the lore also on G+, you can look at our individual profiles on the site for the lore, and you'll see our links to our G+, there, so if you'd like to friend us. And again, show notes are going to be up uh, in a couple of days. Tomorrow as well, if you are into comics, uh, as always, we record the Comic Book Informer on Wednesdays. Normally, it is Vince and myself. However, tomorrow, it's actually going to be Joe and I, and we're going to be covering all of the stuff that's going on with Flashpoint right now, which has just been yeah. all manner of awesome so again if you're into comics it might be one it might be my favorite story arc before reset yeah this is going to be a ton of fun to talk about so again i'll have all the information up on twitter if you want to follow me on there you'll be able to find out when the show is which is at the same time 7 p.m eastern time anyway so with that we're going to let you go and we'll talk to you guys next week with vince no need for intros that's an insult just want something that works <laughs> it's it's apparently because i was realizing this as much as technology is moving forward getting something that just simply works is so fucking hard to find right now well the problem is, is that you have to basically keep whatever version of whatever os you're running with everything the same and the apps exactly the same and never update it if it works just don't touch anything yeah just make sure it. but then you make sure it works with the current version of whatever is out there and and call it a day but you can't because then you can't your machine is just for that and you can't use it for anything else at that point you know it's like we used to have i don't know if i told you this the wife and i used to play you don't know jack and i mean that was our game we had a little laptop and when the kids went to bed we played you don't know jack and it was great <laughs> because you're kind of cuddle close together and you're playing sharing the same keyboard having a couple of drinks laughing and basically having a lot of fun I remember and, those days. Oh, yeah. So I I absolutely loved it. Well, that ran on Windows 95. And you were screwed if you tried to run it on anything else. It was even feisty with 97, and some of them didn't even work. So once I started upgrading all of my systems and all that, I still kept a Windows 95 laptop so that we could play that. I didn't install anything on it. This thing has never seen the internet. <laughs> it's never had an update of any kind. It has Windows 95 and you don't know Jack games. And that's it. And we still have it. I literally, I'll have to actually dig it out and I'll have to show it through the actual webcam though, because otherwise you can't see. But yeah, I, I still have it. And we've still as long as early as uh, maybe six months ago actually played some of the games on it i mean here they are re-releasing them on the freaking 360 and ps3 screw that shit we got a windows 95 <laughs> laptop we'll use that come on hoogs he hears now come on okay okay he unmuted, he <laughs> you're here now himself. but yeah he put the bottle down that's when he started concentrating focusing on the screen <laughs> All he was hearing was whiskey before. All right. Oh, my God. Fucking Transformers MMO. Holy shit. All right. The tank's empty and the glass is full. All right. Let's, let's nail this. 